Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. We are one movement, one people, one family, and one glorious nation under God. And together, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. And we will make America great again. Well, friends, welcome to Praying for America. I'm pro-life leader Frank Pavone, director of Priests for Life. Glad to have you with us tonight. I'm traveling this week. I pre-taped these programs, but we do have something uh, exciting and recent to share with you tonight. I am traveling this weekend, and uh, this week rather, into places where I may see some of you. The National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville, the earlier part of the week, and CPAC uh, in the later part of the week. And we are uh, in both arenas, bringing together people of faith and patriots and people determined to make America great again. So uh, uh, thank you for your, uh, uh, your understanding of that. And uh, these uh, pre-taped programs, I want to bring you some, some footage uh, tonight from a recent event. I'll explain it to you after I do the reading. You know, one time when I had a speaking engagement out on the road, I uh, uh, was told that the uh, speech that I would be giving in the evening at a church was going to be held at 7.14 p.m. And at first I thought it might have been a typo, you know, you'd schedule a talk for 7 o'clock, for 7.30. But this one was actually scheduled and announced for 7.14 p.m. You have any reason, you have any uh, uh, idea about why? Think about it for a, for a moment from a, from a biblical point of view. Second Chronicles 7.14, a very, very often quoted verse by all of us who care about restoring the foundations of America and of the kingdom of, of God among his people. Uh, so I want to pray a little bit expanded uh, uh, passage here, a little bit before and after verse 14, and you'll certainly recognize it. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house. All that Solomon had planned to do in the house of the Lord and in his own house, he successfully accomplished. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, if my people, who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. And as for you, if you will walk before me as David your father walked, doing according to all that I have commanded you and keeping my statutes and my rules, then I will establish your royal throne as I covenanted with David 
your Father. Let us pray. Lord, you have made a covenant with us. And we rejoice in the new covenant in the blood of Christ. We rejoice, Lord God, in your promise of showing mercy to your people and healing our land. But we hear in your word that this must be accompanied not only by our prayers, but by our repentance. Lord, America is in need of this promise today, and we are in need of repentance. We ask you, Lord, that any leaders in this nation who are not following your covenant, any leaders who are leading this nation astray, any political leaders who are betraying the trust of the people, not enforcing the laws of the nation, not valuing the sacredness of life, not heeding your commandments or covenant, Lord God, that the voters may have the wisdom to vote them out and quickly, and that they too may have the grace of repentance and quickly. Bless this land, Lord God. We rely on you. Keep us from evil. Keep us from destruction, not only of a physical nature, in terms of natural disasters or terrorism, but also destruction on a moral level, destruction on a spiritual level, destruction by deceit and by lies that are told against your holy word. Save us from the lies, Lord God, from the indoctrination, from the false gospels. and Bring us back to the roots of truth on which America was founded. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Friends, the pro-abortion forces in this country are trying to change state constitutions. They don't, want to go th- they don't want to go through the legislative process. That's a lot of hard work. That gets people actually thinking about the issues. There's debates. There's lobbying. There's witnesses. There's evidence. There's counter-witnesses. There's a whole legislative process. kind of involves wrestling with the issue that you're legislating about. But if you try to change a state constitution through just a ballot initiative, it's like you just hear a sound bite and that's it. And you vote one way or the other. And they're trying to, and they have it to a certain extent in, in several states, done this, where they actually want to put into the state constitutions a right to abortion. Now, this is something that has never been done in the history of the United States. Never. Not any state, not any state constitution, in its text or in its history, has asserted a right to abortion. None. And now all of a sudden it's starting up. We have this fight going on here now in Florida and various other states will have it on the ballot for the November election. And here in Florida, the Supreme Court of the state of Florida just heard oral arguments as to whether this measure from the pro-abortion people to put a right to abortion into the state constitution should be allowed or not. And they're arguing about whether or not it should be allowed because it's confusing. And the state wants to make sure that the voters know the meaning of what they are saying yes or no to when they vote. Makes sense. Informed consent, right? So we had a rally on the day that the Supreme Court was hearing the oral arguments, which was just very recently, Wednesday, February 7th. We had a rally outside the uh, Florida Supreme Court. I was the keynote speaker for that rally, and what I want to share with you now are the remarks that I made at that rally. And in those remarks, you will see the contours of this particular battle, but also why I have confidence that we are winning it. Uh, Let me share with you now those remarks from the Tallahassee, Florida State Capitol State Supreme Court on Wednesday, February 7th. 
But right now, I'm going to introduce our keynote speaker. And really, he really needs no introduction. But those, for those who are unfamiliar with Father Frank Pavone, maybe some of the young folks, I don't know, you know. <laughs> Father's been around a while. <laughs> but he is a legend. And Father Frank Pavone is the founder and longtime passionate leader of the national pro-life organization, Priests for Life, and their wide variety of ministries. Mr. Pavone remains one of the most dynamic pro-life speakers in the country. And we are blessed to have him speaking at this rally this morning. Father, take it away. Thank you. Brothers and sisters, our great movement has experienced a monumental victory in the reversal of Roe v. Wade. For decades we marched saying Roe v. Wade has got to go, and now we march and we declare, echoing not only across the nation but around the world, that Roe is gone. It wasn't, it wasn't reversed in some kind of nuanced or partial or indirect way. It was obliterated from the judicial landscape of America. And we have rightly been celebrating that victory ever since that day in June of 2022. But brothers and sisters, there is deep concern and deep distress in our movement as we see the pro-abortion forces going from state to state, imposing a fake, destructive right to abortion in state constitutions. And I'm here to tell you today, brothers and sisters, that the narrative that they are trying to spin and implant in the minds and hearts of the American people, namely that they are winning, that America is turning towards abortion and away from pro-life, I'm declaring to you today that narrative is as fake as the right that they are inventing. Because America is not turning away from pro-life. It is not embracing the extreme agenda that Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry represents, and it's not difficult to come to that conclusion. Remember, the battle is not only in the courts or in the legislatures, the battle is in the mind of the enemy. When you are engaged in a battle, your enemy wants you to think that he is winning. Your enemy wants you to think that you are losing ground. The battle is in the mind of the enemy. Let's look, for example, at what has transpired. They say, oh, you see, seven states, the pro-choice side has won these ballot initiatives. Seven states? Let's take a look at whether America is really turning to pro-choice. Two of those seven states that passed these extreme amendments are California and Vermont. Oh my goodness, I never thought I'd see the day when California was pro-choice. Oh, what a disaster. America's falling apart. California? Vermont? And then, in three states, it wasn't a pro-abortion amendment, it was a pro-life amendment. In Montana, it wasn't even an amendment, it was a legislative referendum. And no, they did not pass. But what did they say? Montana, the voters rejected a 
measure that would protect or increase protections for babies who survive abortion. Okay, they should have been able to pass that. But after that vote, the people of Montana through their elected representative passed no less than 10 measures restricting abortion. So where's the will of the people in Montana? It's not in that one vote. You gotta look at the whole picture. Then you had Kentucky, and you had uh, a, a measure there uh, which people were saying, just like in Kansas, we don't want to change the Constitution to say that it does not secure a right to abortion or to fund abortion. Okay, but that's not the same thing as embracing unlimited abortion. And not only that, but they want to claim Kentucky as a victory? Are you kidding me? In Kentucky, the unborn child is protected from conception. That's a victory for us, not them. Brothers and sisters, the battle is in the mind of the enemy. They'll say, oh, look, Kansas, Kentucky, and, and Montana, and California, and Vermont, and Ohio, and Michigan. And you know what we respond? When they list those seven states, here's what we respond. Arkansas, Alabama, Idaho, Indiana, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, North Dakota, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, West Virginia. What do they all have in common? They all have in common. They protect babies throughout pregnancy. That's a victory for us. The battle's in the mind of the enemy, brothers and sisters. Here in Florida, they're trying to bring this wave of pro-choice victories. They have moved through various states, but more importantly, they have moved into the minds and hearts of pro-life people, many of whom are afraid that indeed they are winning, and we're here to declare something today, that this wave of pro-choice victories, this effort to pull things to the side of death and destruction, when this wave hits the shores of sunny Florida, here is... never advances without lying. The devil is a liar and a murderer. You never have murder without lies. Brothers and sisters, what's happening at this very moment inside this very court building is that Florida is standing up and saying to the abortion industry, stop lying to our people. Stop deceiving us, the American people. Whatever kind of ambivalence they may have on, on the issue of abortion itself, do not like being lied to. They do not like being manipulated. And here in Florida, the will of the people is already, has already been expressed in that legislation protecting babies from 15 weeks, in that further legislation protecting them from when a heartbeat can be detected. And brothers and sisters, this court is poised to deliver to Florida not one, but two victories. And we will see those victories soon, mark my words. This ballot will not get, this, this initiative will not get on the ballot, and those laws will come into effect here in Florida. 
the battle is in the mind of the enemy. We are winning, brothers and sisters, we are winning in other states who, while not protecting the babies from conception, have advanced significant legislation, heartbeat legislation, and, and, and other protections in, in our neighboring uh, state of Georgia and also in South Carolina and many other places. And we see our victory unfolding in the courts because ever since Dobbs, when the pro-abortion people try to strike down state laws protecting the unborn, guess what happens? They tried it in Indiana, and the Indiana Supreme Court said, no, the law protecting babies from conception will stand. They tried to strike down the pro-life laws in Georgia and South Carolina. Guess what? Their Supreme Courts stood up and they said, no, these laws will stand. Why? Because Dobbs is not just a decision that got rid of Roe and Casey. Dobbs is a decision that looks forward. It is now precedent. And the court has said something very simple, yet very profound. When the American people, through their elected representatives, want to protect babies in the womb, there is no constitutional reason to stop them from doing so. We, the courts, will not stand in their way. We are winning. Now, brothers and sisters, let me tell you something very simple. All these efforts that the pro-abortion people are trying to do to change the state constitutions, mark my words, brothers and sisters, and understand this clearly. This is not a sign of their strength. This is a sign of their weakness. L look at what they're calling this. Limiting government interference with abortion. Now think about this for a moment. In America, if you say you're limiting government interference with abortion, you are the government. They're saying they're limiting your interference with abortion. What these measures do, if and when they succeed, is that they cut off the legislative process. They say, look, no matter what evidence there is, whether it's the pain of the baby or the harm abortion does to women or any other reason that there is for protecting the unborn and their moms and dads from abortion, they're saying it doesn't matter. You can make your arguments. You can vote for pro-life candidates. You can lobby them for pro-life legislation. You can pass the legislation. And according to these people, none of that counts. Your voice doesn't matter. The arguments don't matter. Limiting government interference with abortion, they mean limiting the voice of the people for abortion. And we, our voices, we're not afraid to make the arguments to our fellow citizens. We're not afraid to make the arguments to our lawmakers. Why? Because we know those arguments are more persuasive than theirs. We know that we're standing in the truth. This is not a sign of their strength. It's a sign of their weakness because they are afraid of the legislative process. They are afraid of the arguments coming out full force. Let the people see the baby. Let the people see what abortion looks like. Let them hear the testimonies of Silent No More, our campaign that gives those who've had abortions a voice to share that experience. They are afraid of all of this. And so they want to cut it off. They want to, to stop it from even making an impact by running like they did for five decades up at the Supreme Court level, running behind the robes of the justices and hiding. Oh, it's a constitutional right. 
This is what they say because they don't want it argued. Who wants to interfere with the constitutional right? So they want to hide behind the robes of the justices. They want to hide behind a fake and invented right in a constitution because they don't want to engage this process. We are ready to engage it. We are engaging it. And what's going on now in Florida and in all these other states where they're trying this nonsense is a last gasp of a dying movement. They have lost. They're continuing to lose. They're afraid of the fight. And we are advancing, brothers and sisters. We are not retreating. This is the exodus moment for the pro-life movement. An exodus moment. The people of Israel were enslaved in Egypt. They were enslaved there for centuries. That was like our experience under Roe v. Wade. We would try. We would strive. We would even succeed in convincing people and winning elections and getting pro-life laws passed. And then the yoke of slavery came down hard upon us and those laws would be swept away. We were enslaved in this nation. The voices of the unborn and the voices of those wanting to protect them were silenced. And then the people of Israel were set free miraculously. The plagues came down on the Egyptians and they got so scared that they not only let the Israelites go, they chased them out. They said, we, we can't have these people in our country anymore. We're all going to die. And they chased them out. Brothers and sisters, the Passover celebrates this miraculous victory every year. And the people were just astonished. That was their Dobbs moment. Where the people said, God has finally heard our prayers, answered those prayers. He has set us free. But no sooner, and let's not miss this lesson, no sooner did they experience the victorious joy of being set free. And the celebration like we have had with Dobbs. Then God allowed the hearts of Pharaoh and his army to be hardened, and they went chasing back after them. They said, why did we let our slave labor go? And so Moses and the people, having just been freed from slavery, are standing there with the Red Sea in front of them, and on the other side, those armies of Pharaoh chasing after them to go enslave them again. And here we are standing, having won this great victory, a hard-hearted abortion movement trying to put this nation in slavery again through fake constitutional rights to abortion. Now this is our exodus moment because we are looking with the sea on one side, with the armies on the other side, with a disappointment and a fear after a great victory. And we're in that position and the people complain to Moses, why did you even take us out of Egypt? Brothers and sisters, they were so afraid, they wanted to go back into slavery. And, and Moses looked to God and he said, what do I do with this people? And brothers and sisters, the command God gave to Moses that day, the message he told him and the people is the very same message he gives today to this pro-life movement. You know what he said to Moses? Tell the Israelites to go forward. And I can just imagine Moses looking up and saying to himself, gee, I should have thought of that myself. I just should go forward. Where else can we go? 
tell the Israelites to go forward. And then it was because of the trust and the obedience rooted in the historical fact that God had saved his people time and time again, that Moses lifted up that staff and that sea opened and they walked through it and their feet didn't even get wet and then that water closed in again on the foe and they had definitive victory. Brothers and sisters, God is saying to this movement today, you've got obstacles on one side, obstacles on another, you had a great victory, you had great disappointments, tell the pro-life movement to go forward. I see, God says, see the victory I will win for you today. We are poised today for a great victory here in Florida. We are poised today for a victory coming from this court. It is a victory that comes from Almighty God. As uh, our friend Willie Guardiola here says, Christian on a mission, God's got this, right Willie? God's got this. Brothers and sisters, move forward with confidence. Don't let the other side's narrative fill your mind and heart or that of anyone else under your influence. We are winning. We are crossing this Red Sea. We are ending abortion. Florida is going to lead the way. This is where the deceptive nonsense stops from these, these ballot initiatives. And thank God that you and I can stand together united and ready to do everything that it takes to win the final victory for our unborn brothers and sisters. Thank you for being here, and God bless you all. Thank you so much, Father Provode, everybody. Give him a big round. Woo! All right. So, they had 40... ...for life and work on the national level in these battles in all the different states in which they have been introduced. Never in the history of the United States, our federal constitution, never in the history of any state constitution, including Florida's, has a right to abortion been introduced, considered, asserted, even in a scholarly article, much less in a, a ballot initiative. Why all of a sudden now? Because those who are arguing for an unrestricted right to abortion, which, by the way, the Supreme Court, even in Roe v. Wade, rejected the idea that it is an unrestricted right, rejected the idea that there could be no limits on the right to abortion. Just read Roe v. Wade. And the reason that abortion is different from, as another question was raising, uh, an appendectomy, a reason that makes this particular medical procedure unique is that there are two lives involved. And the American people have been engaged and continue to be engaged in a process of trying to figure out how the rights of these two separate lives are supposed to interact and how the government is supposed to come up with policies that in fact give the requisite respect to both of these lives. Those who argue for an unrestricted right to abortion want to try to solve the abortion debate by just eliminating one side of the debate. We're talking about this as if it's just a matter of women's uh, health care. We're all in favor of women's health care, freedom, and rights. But when you consider that there are two lives involved, you've got to weigh both lives. The Supreme Court wisely said in the Dobbs decision that it is beyond their capacity 
as nine justices to resolve this complex issue for the American people. And so they returned the issue to the people and their elected representatives. What we're seeing in an effort like this to place into the Constitution a right that has never been acknowledged before, again, not only in the Florida Constitution, but in all four or the other 49 states as well, is an effort to bypass that painful, meticulous process by which legislation is worked out. Legislation is much harder process because it involves witnesses, it involves hearings, it involves evidence. A vote like this in November, if this were on the ballot, is just soundbite voting. Somebody hears, oh, a right to uh, a reproductive freedom, of course I'm in favor of that, and they vote. The reason this, this hearing is being held today is that we want clarity. Nobody is saying you can't have uh, a, a ballot initiative uh, uh, on the ballot in November. Nobody's saying, what we're saying is, if you have one, tell the voters clearly what they're choosing. We oversee the Silent No More campaign when those who have had abortions speak out about their experience. Brothers and sisters, look at their testimonies at abortiontestimonies.com and you'll find woman after woman after woman realizing years or decades after her abortion that she wasn't told basic facts about that other life inside her or about how the abortion would devastate her. And all we're saying is, you work this out through the legislative process and you're going to have provisions that say, for example, what many pro-choice people find very reasonable, if you want to give the woman the choice, let it be an informed choice, tell her what she's choosing. But if we were to try after a measure like this to say we want to have a law that says people can get information about abortion and then wait for a day before they make their decision, you can't do it because you can't delay the abortion. There are things here that people do not realize are going to unfold if such a measure passes and because of the inherent ambiguities and vagaries in this language, all we are trying to say today is have the integrity and honesty to tell the voters of Florida what exactly they are voting in. My final point is simply this, the other side will never describe what they defend, never. I want to hear one single person on the other side of this debate give me from the medical textbook on how abortions are done a description of the procedure. They won't, because if you open up a medical textbook on how abortions are done, you're going to read words like dismemberment and decapitation. The people of Florida, the people of America are not going to go into a voting booth and say, yes, I want to dismember and decapitate babies. But friends, that's the reality of what an abortion is. If we're going to have a debate in this country, and we obviously do have one, can we at least be honest about it? That's what the arguments here at this court today are all about. Thank you. Uh, we also have today on. Well, friends, thank you for watching that, and uh, thank you for what you can do and what you are doing. I invite you always to do more for this great cause of life. You can connect with our ministry at endabortion.us, and you'll find information about all these things and much more. Endabortion.us. Let's go back into prayer. Father, we pray for our nation. We pray for the conferences going on, the important conferences of the National Religious Broadcasters, the important conference of CPAC, and Lord, all this activity and all the activity that our viewers do in their own personal lives. We thank you 
We praise you because this is all fruitful activity for the kingdom of God. Lord, we lift up to you the prayer intentions of each and every person joining with us now, especially those prayers that have been mentioned in the comments. And Lord, we thank you for this upcoming election, and we should say this current election. Lord God, just give wisdom to the voters. Give wisdom to the candidates as well. And to those candidates who are on the radical left, give repentance. And now we sum up all our prayers and praises in offering the prayer Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Friends, thank you so much. Stick with us. Let us know about this program. Connect with our ministry's website, endabortion.us. Connect with me on social media at FR Frank Pavone. And we will talk to you soon. Hello, I'm Dr. Alveda King, board member of Priest for Life. More money is being spent in America to kill babies in the womb than to save them. Together, we need to change that, and today I want to invite you to support our work at Priest for Life. Why ours rather than other groups? Because we have a unique team that helps lead in every arena of the fight against abortion, and we activate the churches where you find people who are most likely to get involved in that fight. To awaken a pastor about abortion is to awaken thousands of people he serves. We do not receive church funding or government grants. We rely on you for individual donations. We have a very high evaluation among charities and top security on our donation site, ProLifeGift.org. You can go there for a one-time gift or to become a monthly donor, or you can call us at 321-500-1000. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.